Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm gonna be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate hi this is ruben off the cheek i'm pat nevin i'm mason mount you're listening to the london is blue podcast all right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode of the London is Blue podcast. As always, your host, Brandon, joined by Nick and Dan, three amigos. Gentlemen, we have the Fulham match review this time. Uh, some might call it a West London derby. Others might call it a, a drab 90 minutes out in the clouds, Nick. E- either way, we, we've got an esteemed guest who will help bring life to this otherwise boring 1-0 victory for Chelsea. Yeah, <laughs> look, we're going to need all the help we can get on this one. Uh, and we're bringing in a good friend, a, a buddy, a pal, uh, a man who's who's getting ready for, for his own derby, and that's Nazar Kinsella. Welcome back, my man. Hi, guys. Good to be back. I was uh, I was talking to someone about you and like how we get to hang out with you, and I remember a couple years ago, we even got to watch NFL football together midweek with Naz, so that's how you know he's a real friend. <laughs> Hanging out with a bunch of Americans in London watching the NFL. Yeah, and you I think guys it was explaining the rules to me. That was great. <laughs> well, and I think it was the Chicago Bears. So that shows you how much you really cared because boy, yeah. are they terrible. <laughs> All right. Hey, Dan, over to you, man. This is uh, your moment to shine. Three word match reviews to uh, help frame up what we got ahead of us. There were some good ones. The quality. Yeah. Th- this, this was it today. There was fire this week. The you know look the, the match might have been dull at points. The three were match reviews, a league of their own. Thomas Bates fresh off the trot with the Craven some creativity. Yep, very that's, good. Uh, that it. was that was the our Discord slash Patreons uh, selection that they thought that one was the best. The uh, G Page with Ma- uh, Mason's Ma- Mason Mount's miracle. Uh, Will <laughs> bleeds blue with Mount. Future captain, all caps, uh, our boy Addy with bad selections, surmounted. Pretty good. Yeah, it's almost as bad. if he's a writer. Our friend Care for Youth uh, is uh, gets in here too with one of our own. He he tried to say that he was breaking the rules because he used the number one and then he used three words. Mm. I'm just gonna put it out there. It's three words. If you use a number, that is a word. So just don't don't do that again. But we just yeah. want to say we love him, and we hope he's doing well. And then Luke with Premier League win, the most easy explanation <laughs> of what this match was, which is three points in a Premier League win. Look, sometimes the easiest way, Naz, is to take a complex thing and make it simple. And that's what Luke did. 
Like, look, we can get into formations and lineups and transfer outs and ins and everything. We just got three points. All right. We won in the Premier League. That's all that was there. So we're going to stall for you a little bit. I know you're a writer. I'm sure you already have it nailed. I put 18th place malaise. I was so frustrated by how much or by how like much we struggled against an 18th place team. Not happy. The malaise, the lack of like killer instinct, like they were there to put to the sword. We didn't even... Even up a man, I texted the group. Does it feel like we're up a man in the second half? It it didn't. It did not, which is ridiculous. Dan, include your punctuation. Yeah, uh, mount, rinse, repeat. Yeah, it's just uh, Mr. Consistency. I, I also think if you wanted a really funny one, you could have had run the streets in reference to Scott Parker's uh, constant mashup with the streets that have been quite wonderful to watch too. But uh, yeah, Mount Rinse Repeat was mine. Well, and then you could probably add the uh, the the gif of, or, or what was the tweet that said, when Mason Mount sees Frank Lampard's job's in trouble, <laughs> he like busts out the Superman. Oh, yeah. He's oh, like, yeah. I've got this. <laughs> Don't worry, Frank. I've got this. Uh, Nick, over to you. Uh, uh, if, if you follow me on Twitter, you, you, you'll know this one. Wow, selfless I, plug. Look, at Nick Verlaney <laughs> for all the hottest takes. Um, Wait, do you want to drop your cash uh, and Venmo in there too while you're at it? You know, do you got a SoundCloud that we can link? I'm, I'm, je- I'm jealous. I actually do have a SoundCloud, and I put an album out, Dan. Thank you. Um, it's a parody Christmas album, uh, so you don't need to listen to that. <laughs> but I, if you follow my Twitter, and you should... Um, need more fight is, is online. Uh, I will get into why later, but this should be a pretty easy one to identify. All right. Naz, was that enough time to stall? Yeah, it was. I was like racking my brains. I wanted something with Callum. I wanted something with Mason Mount. I wanted something with Hudson and But just a general one, just uh, because that was the important thing. You know, the Premier League win, I like that. So I think pressure valve release. The moment that Mason Mount's foot hit that ball, um, you know, sweet technique. The goal in the 78th minute, I thought that was like pressure valve releasing. And it is just, you know, I was just looking at the players' faces, just watching it. And I was like, man, this is intense. You know, this is emotional. It was like not a good game, but it was a good game because the emotions involved in football, like, we, you know, you get drawn in by these kind of games. So, yeah, pressure valve release. The, the Mason Mount superhero thing definitely rings true for Frank. Saving the day. How fitting that a Cobham boy did it. But pressure valve release has got to be my summary there. Yeah, it, it's that. That's actually, unsurprisingly, a really good one, Naz. You should mm. do this for mm-hmm. a living. Uh, so, what we're going to be discussing uh, is a banner day for the Cobham crew and the house that Neil Bath built, the Chelsea Academy, with Mason Mount and Callum Hudson-Odoi playing key roles in the victory. Sometimes I go into these without like having read them, and I just don't know what Dan's setting me up for. So, uh, sorry if I walked carefully through that one. Uh, we'll also be talking. About I made you sound talk- really good there. You sounded so polished. You didn't need to give away the farm. You, it you needed gave away more the confidence. I, I felt like I didn't give it the confidence I needed. I was tiptoeing. <laughs> I, w- I want you to read all of these with like great hesitance, just like every like <laughs> tread on every word very carefully. Go all full right, Ron Swanson. Full Ron Swanson, Brandon. We're mm. going to talk about what we should take away as a plan from Frank after watching this match. And then obviously the Dan of the match, the table review, and a quick thought to the midweek clash versus Leicester City. So uh, gratitudes and housekeeping. I know some of you don't like it, but that's just because you're not in here. So get yourself in here and appreciate the section. Huge shout out to Braden joining us on Patreon. Discord access, engaged uh, gifts coming your way. Apple Podcasts over you, Dan. Yeah, more why. five. Again, the why. Why do we care? Yeah, well, 
we, we like it because it helps people find the podcast. And, uh, you know, we like... And it helps us rank above official podcasts of major TV networks. And that makes us feel good. Mm. Yeah, mm. The, the two Robbies, you know, uh, maybe Men in Blazers on some days on in particular, you know, particular episode drops. We like that. So five-star reviews help people find us. We appreciate it. Uh, we want to thank Chris Broa... Uh, Bro Ra, who uh, also in his review mentioned that sometimes he has to tell his children we don't use those type of words when listening to the podcast. So uh, mm. fair play to him for listening to the explicit podcast around his children. Uh, Danica, uh, Cliff Walker, and then Sam J. MCM, all leaving wonderful five-star reviews. We appreciate it. Drop on an Apple podcast. We'll shout you out on the next episode. All right, Nick, anything you want to plug for housekeeping before we jump into the match review? No. All right, look at that, a people's champ right there. So here it is, uh, Fulham match review. Obviously, it was in the Premier League this past Saturday, not Friday. Thank you for making us sound stupid in our uh, our preview time when we were talking about it. At Craven Cottage, we've been there. That was a fun day out. Uh, Fulham nil, Chelsea won. So we'll throw it over the fifth standout for the goals again, Chelsea's official F official app. <laughs> uh, they play all of their goals there first. They put all their interviews and all their content. So again, uh, they let us put this in. So we would appreciate it if you'd go ahead and download the app. Here we go. In a world of much restricted movement, Chelsea have got special dispensation here for a Saturday evening date with the neighbours. Brilliant layoff. Ziyech! That looked good. Brilliant. Great communication. Layoff, superb. Decent enough save, you'd have to say. Chance for Aspilicueta to cross, and it's a, ooh, it's a good one here. Pulisic was very interested there. It didn't quite reach him. Chilwell, too much on that one. Poor clearance. Mason oh. Mount has smashed it against the bar. Goodness me, doesn't he get a hold of this? What a strike. Neatly done. We know Robinson's got the pace and he had a head start on Aspilicueta anyway. This is Tete, who still doesn't shoot. Oh, it's a brilliant chance for Cavalero. Should have scored. Best chance of the game. And even Cavalero, their midweek goal scorer, has missed it. Ooh, Anthony Robinson now is coming hard there. Aspilicueta seems to be in some pain. It's a red card. Oh, dear. Yeah. Don't think I think it's the right decision. That, no, like. correct decision, referee. There will be someone getting a touch on the end of it. Hopefully, well, it's the golden touch. Yeah, and there's a, there's a sign, isn't there, from the last two. Oh, oh no. Mendy nearly caught oh. out. And Cavalero tried to tip it goalwards. Fulham took a quick free kick there and nearly caught Chelsea napping. It's Callum Hudson-Odoi. He's found Chilwell. One side of the box to the other, Chilwell's cross, and it drops yeah. to Mount! Mason Mount is Chelsea's hero, breakthrough finally in the 78th minute. What a relief that is, all eyes on you Peter Banks, blow that whistle and he does. Well, reserve celebrations if you can even call them that from Frank Lampard and co, but that is a massive win for him and his side. Well, that was short and sweet. Just the one tidy goal. So, Dan, run us through the lineup. Let's get into this. Yeah, Mendy between the sticks. And we saw some changes with this lineup. We saw Thiago Silva next to Antonio Rudiger, Ben Chilwell, and Cesar Azpilicueta as the 
back four. Jorginho, Kovacic, and Mason Mount were your midfield three, even swapping sides. No Conte due to substitute, uh, due to his suspension on card accumulation. Christian Pulisic, Olivier Giroud, and Hakim Ziyech made up the starting 11. Unused substitutes included Kepa Arifablaga, Kurt Zuma, Reese James, Emerson, Young won Billy Gilmore, Kai Havertz, and you substitutes included Timo Werner, Cal hudson Adoy, and Tammy Abraham. All right. Uh, so high-level stats real quick. Just Chelsea with the casual 70% possessions, 21 shots, 6 on target to Fulham's 10 shots, 3 on target. Uh, outpassed, outtouched. I mean, they out-tackled us 20-17. to They had 30 Three clearances. Naz, I'm going to come back to you on that real quick. Uh, to our 12. We had 12 corners. Naz, come back to you on that. To their one. <laughs> we had three offsides. We had three yellow cards. There two. They had a red card right before the end of the first half. And we conceded 10 fouls to their 11. Uh, but real quick, Nick, an XG plot that didn't really give us a lot to look forward to. Kaylee Graphics again. Yeah, I will. I'll say uh, the XG for games like this, it, it, it's a tough read. <laughs> when, you, when you look at the... The scatter plot. There, there's some kind of bigger squares, but but not a ton. Uh, so Kayla Graphics says, given the context of the 44th minute, uh, Fulham red. This was a pretty rough one. Uh, Chelsea played better and not taken three points quite a few times this season with the shrugging emoji. So fair fair enough. I think it's good analysis. Uh, the rough xG sum 0.05 for Fulham. So not quite one to 1.5 for for Chelsea and that probably the 1.5 is coming from a couple of Werner misses at the end there where, where we could have buried those so uh look uh it was uh it was a drab game that's what that says indeed well read well translated Thank uh, you. absolutely nailed it now, as you know I love you, stats so I'm gonna give you two options here right you can go to lineup or when I look at these stats and I see the full map 33 clearances and we had 12 corners, to me, it kind of comes to the fact of the style of play, what Lampard's looking to do. I think before we put a bunch of crosses in with Timo center forward and everyone's like, why are you doing that? Now this week we put a bunch of crosses in with Olivier Giroud in and it still didn't work. So uh, you can call the audible, as they say in the NFL. You can go lineup or you can go style of play for this one. Yeah, let's, let's go style of play. I think that the, the selection was quite interesting, wasn't it? The way they picked Giroud... Jorginho, Rudiger Aspilicueta, you know, all leaders, all vocal, you know, characters in the dressing room. And I think that's what Frank wanted to do, partly. And then Giroud's inclusion in particular, he's the kind of guy you put on against a, a low block and, and a counter-attacking team. Um, you know, just his size, presence, and the way he links up, that's that's what opens teams up, and that's why he's selected for this game. I don't think he'll play against Leicester, but um, that was the game plan. But you know, even still, Fulham, they, they've got a great game plan of their own. You know, they, they've got great, you know, defensive shape now. Um, Scott Park changed formation, counter-attack, they hurt teams. And, um, yeah, I mean, I think that Chelsea knew exactly what they are getting into. You know, we're talking first half. The, I mean, the tactics changed completely when Anthony Robinson goes and decides to go and do a crazy tackle like that. That was a turning point in the game. There's two turning points. There's that tackle and there's Mount's goal. And there's, um, you know, the, almost three different games there that played out. There was a game... Um, where Chelsea had all the ball, but Fulham were really dangerous on the break in the first half. And I think that that's really where a lot of discontent with Chelsea comes because, you know, Fulham could have been 1-0 up. They created the better chance, Cavalero, Sky in a pretty simple chance. Um, and that was just before Anthony Robinson got sent off. So their confidence was going to grow into the second half. Um, he gets sent off. 
you know, from there, I mean, it should be easy for Chelsea. But like you said, you know, down to 10 men, Chelsea didn't dominate like they were playing against 10 men. Um, and, you know, Fulham's counter-attacking threat was still there. Um, and, you know, they got corners, they got a few options there. And Chelsea didn't create big chances until Manford. And then Chelsea started creating the chances because Fulham were opening up and trying to get the goal themselves. So there's almost three games there. Um, and, and, you know, there's a few interesting tactical moves, you know, the players that were brought in, more for personality and tactics apart from Giroud. And Mount played on the right side as well instead of the left, which was a little... You know, tweak. He scored his goal from the right side, coming in at that far post. So maybe that's something we could see a bit more of. But you know, I do think it was partly a specific, you know, decision by Frank to nullify Fulham because Anthony Robinson is great going forward, but not as good going back. So Mount, like getting into those spaces uh, in between, you know, the left wing back and uh, left centre back. I think that was the plan. So yeah, I mean, those were kind of the decisions Frank made and. Um, I think they were big calls. And did they work? It's hard to say. They won, um, but they didn't win well. So I think that it will look like the right call if they play well against Leicester because certain players will have been rested for that game, including Werner, who I think will start against Leicester. Um, and hope if they play well against Leicester, then you know Frank's decisions have been vindicated. Yeah, let me, let me pick up on that really quick, Brandon, because I think when I looked at the lineup, right, which is the other side of this, to me, this was a gamble. It was a big gamble. What's striking, you know, if, if Frank knew about, you know, how he was going to head into the Fulham game two weeks ago, right? Because you know, that was our last Premier League match. We didn't play our first 11 against Morecambe. The, you know, and, and he knew that he was going to, you know, insert key players like Rudiger or Jorginho or whoever else in this in this lineup that typically wouldn't be in our first 11. The performance with a week's rest was pretty abject for most of the game um which is worrisome and it's kind of a trend um to me when chelsea are given time to prepare for some of these matches it doesn't really seem like they take advantage of that in the way that maybe other chelsea squads in the past have so i i'm i'm curious about that i'm curious to think if anyone else kind of you know reconciles that point with me uh, as well, well, because that's that's what I saw. I, I definitely will. I, I think I want to save Summit to, to part three as we get into it. But again, Fulham played midweek against Spurs. I I have some strong opinions. I think we'll get into that. But Nick, you, you, you tee it up really well. Uh, but before we go there, we could be happy about one Mason Mount. All right. Took his opportunity very well. Uh, even spoke post-match about the fact he said he should have had two more. You know, he's really trying to hold himself to a high standard. He really wants to be a leader in this team. We we heard the shouts for Mount to be future captain. So, as always, trusted resource at Expected Chelsea coming in with the stats for Mason Mount versus Fulham. 96 touches, a goal, four shots, 60 completed passes at a 90.9% accuracy or success rate. Seven key passes. That's essentially chances created. Could have been assists right there. Four for eight of his crosses were completed. Three of his three dribbles were completed. Seven of his ten ground duels won. Two tackles, two interceptions, two free kicks won. This is what a real leader looks like. I don't know about the leadership. You can't really pull leadership out of stats, expected Chelsea. I'm a big fan of the eye test for leadership. Mm -hmm. But he willed it. He wanted this, Dan. It was something that... 
he refused to let slip from her hands. I think when Tammy came on later, I think to him, and he got fouled at midfield, he popped up looking for the ball to get it right back in play. I know you want to talk about the Cobham group in part two, but Mason, it's hard to separate out of that. He just has the passion that kind of takes you from being just a professional footballer to absolutely willing to like make this club win on his own two feet. Well, the other piece, and you know, you want to talk about the just the eyeball test. Nick's favorite, uh, you know, Nick's favorite measuring stick is just uh, those two eyes in twenty twenty vision. You know, when Aspi got hacked down, the first person to be up in the face of an opposition player was Mason Mount, the and, only player in the opposition's <laughs> face. Yeah, and and so you know, it's one of the things that you know we had talked about, you know, with uh, Joe Tweeds previously about you know where's the the fight, where's the bite to this side? You know, what are they going to do when they kind of get, you know, knocked in the mouth? And that was a pretty, pretty egregious tackle on, on Aspie. And, you know, it was great to see Mason stand up. You know, I think he's been a little bit of a, you know, quiet warrior at times, you know, puts his head down, uh, nose to the grindstone, just kind of tries to work, you know, let the work ethic speak for itself. And uh, this was a great one today. You know, he had the shot that ricocheted off the crossbar update. We continue to hate crossbars, not as much as Manchester City does this season, but we still hate them quite a lot. And, you know, was able to find space for the second. You know, I think the the real interesting thing, and you talked about this a little bit, Naz, but just the the playing on the right hand side, he also played you know, really, you know, deep, especially when, you know, Jorginho kind of came off and they went for the two on the top. You know, he was actually, you know, having to cover more ground to get up into that space. And I actually think it gives now, you know, maybe Frank a different consideration too on could you now play him a little further back? Could you play two up top? And maybe there's some new versatility that we'll have kind of the option to see as the season progresses. Yeah, I just wanted to get a pick up on the playing deep point. Um, He does that with England. I've seen England play quite a lot and he's done that twice with England. Southgate's experimented in in a midfield two um, England play like three four three with a two man midfield, and the the two just sort of sit. It's usually Declan Rice and another defensive midfielder, but they started putting Mount in there because some of the international teams are so bad they're like a ten man Fulham that you just kind of boss the ball. And, and I think Frank sort of used him in the way that Gareth Southgate used him. And, and Mason Mount he moves the ball so quickly. He's you know a great technical footballer. I've seen him play since he was sixteen years old in Chelsea Academy, and. And he's, he's, you know, that that part of his game has just always been there. It's just him. That is his personality. Um, and the other part where Nick mentioned is his personality to, um, you know, be the guy who, you know, got in the ref face after the um, Robinson tackle. Uh, I, I thought that was that's sort of another part of his game that's evolving because I think we've all met Mount Mason Mount in this in this group. And uh, you know, what, one thing that comes across is he's such a nice guy. He's such a gentleman. Um, brought up the right way. But like maybe even on the pitch, that can sometimes not be the best attribute to have, and you know maybe not the best leadership attribute to have. But you know the way he does that, and and the sort of ways the game's evolving is to be a bit more nasty. I've seen him do professional fouls in the last few months. I've seen him getting in people's faces. I've seen him like putting in pretty heavy tackles. There was a great um, tackle he did in the game as well to cut out a counter attack when when Fulham were down to 10 men. And, um, you know, it was one of them where it was just great, you know, really rugged midfield work. And I absolutely loved that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, his all-round game um, for weeks has been excellent. And it almost felt like this match 
was where somebody stands up, you know, Frank Lampard said before the game, he was picking a team on personality. And a lot of those guys like Rudiger, um, Jorginho, Giroud that came in, they're, they're guys with big personality. But one of the only young guys with that big personality is Mount. Um, you know, I, I go to these games and they're behind closed doors, no fans, and you sat in the stadium. And a lot of the time, Frank doesn't pick the old guys, especially not near, a tra- you know, when there's no transfer window nearby. Um, and, and when he picks young guys, you just, you just like, I remember watching Liverpool, Chelsea, and the Liverpool guys were just absolutely screaming at each other, um, you know. And, and the only guy who does it for Chelsea is Mount, really, out of the younger guys. And, it, and, it's, and it's great to see, and there needs to be a bit more of that. And, and hopefully it rubs off, but you've either got it or you've not. And I think Mount, I think he realises that can be part of his game that he can bring to the table. He's so smart. He's, you know, tactically great. Um, the technique's never been in doubt. He's had that since he was a little boy. Um, but just, I love the fact that he's putting a bit of needle, a bit of leadership into his game now. And I think that we saw that. I mean, you know, um, there was nobody even close to Mount, you know, performance-wise on that pitch. It was it was yeah. unbelievable. The only bad game I think he's had this season was Man City at, at Stamford Bridge. And that wasn't even his fault. I think it's just a team dynamics thing. Um, it's just a general, you know, shit show, <laughs> unfortunately. So, uh, yeah, I think that just so consistent, so good. Definitely player of the season so far for me. Well, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll jump on that. Like, I, the fight thing is a big deal to me. Um, we've talked about this for a number of weeks now. I mean, this is not a new trend. Chelsea have a bunch of really nice guys on the team, and that's awesome. Like, if you're if you're a PR manager, this is a dream team for you. There's very little to worry about. There's very few shenanigans off the pitch. You know, Olivier Giroud is basically a professional model. Um, you know, all the young guys are, are super cool and trendy, you know, but I, I was really disappointed and excited for Mason, but really disappointed that, that Mason was the only guy to confront Anthony Robinson yesterday. Anthony Robinson is built like a tree, by the way. Like he's a big guy. He's a big left back, and you know, size-wise, Mason is not that big. Uh, you know, just calling it what it is. But he's the only one that wanted to get in his face. He was the only one who wanted him, you know, to understand that that's an unacceptable uh, challenge. And I think, you know, for Frank to call out the personalities thing ahead of the match and then have none of the veterans that he brought in do the personality thing when it really counted, including Tiago Silva, including Jorginho, including, you know, like Dave's obviously not going to do it for himself after he just got chopped down, but like, man, that's disappointing Uh, on a bunch of levels. And you know, for a fact that if, if Carvalho or if Paulo Ferreira would have been chopped down like that back in 2004, that John Terry, would have uh, would have been over in a, in a in a quick second to deal with that. That's a certainty. <laughs> so that that's what I'm saying, and I and I I know this isn't the best part of Mason's day, but it was for me. Like I I needed someone to go enough's enough. <laughs> wow, that's unacceptable. Let's go in. Like that's that's a big deal. Nick, the best part the best part is he didn't fall down scoring the goal. Like, he has that trend of, like, running into the box and taking the shot and, like, being off balance. He was able to stay up through the entirety of it. It was fantastic. <laughs> that, that was the other thing. Scoring in the box is a big deal for Mount. He's scored some screamers, and we love them. We love a screamer, but he needs to get in the box. Like, that's that's where, you know, Frank, when he was a player, he he's picking up all those goals, scruffy goals in the box. 
I mean, it wasn't a scruffy goal. It was a great strike, but it was just the fact they overloaded the numbers in the box. Fulham couldn't deal with it for once. There was an extra man in there and, and Mount was the guy who stepped up and took the shot. But that's that's what he needs to bring to his game. There is, you know, areas to improve upon, but still, what a player he's been. Um, it, there's not, not been enough goals from Chelsea in general across the pitch as well. Like I was looking, we all know about Werner and Kai Havertz barely scoring, but if you look at Kai, um, Christian Pulisic and Ziyech, they only scored two goals between them since November the 1st. That is not enough. That is, and I know they've had a few injuries in there, but it's, um, it's, it's that's why Chelsea is starting to slide as well. There's not enough goals across the board. So if Mount can chip in a few, wow, there's a few more points in the bag. Yeah, I would also say on Mount's goal, Brandon, um, the technique that he used on that goal is really, really hard. Uh, the, the ball was kind of jumping up on him a little bit and he clearly angled his foot down to kind of like smack it into the ground. Mm-hmm. And... A lot of times, at least, at least, you know, when we've seen it on our own team or, or watching other games, there's a tendency to slice that ball because it's kind of coming across your foot and you're trying to just hammer it down. So, I mean, his technique was pure on that, and it, it was a great goal uh, that basically summed up his day. Yeah, from a technique perspective, it's really hard to keep your foot on top of the ball, your knee over the ball, and and we've seen it just, you know, sky uh, into the into rosette, as, as you over there say. Naz, uh, which I'm starting to adopt. But uh, look, I, interesting comparison. You think Mason is learning from his his BFF on the other side of London? Dad, about, is that you? <laughs> Dad? About, about being a leader? About being, you know, someone who takes on responsibility in the, in the locker room? Obviously, him and Declan talk a lot. Declan has become a on-the-field leader for West Ham. And I wonder, maybe Frank hasn't even said to Mason... You see what Deckers is doing? That's what we need you to do. And so he's really starting to get the confidence and uh, to embody that. And, you know, it's funny. You probably, you know, we hear about Billy Gilmore watching Phil a film of Fabregas right at Cobham as he's grown up. Maybe maybe Mason's starting to look at film of JT <laughs> and Lamps and, you know, maybe some of these, Ray Keane even, these captains that, you know, emb- what they did on the field for their team. And it's just something interesting to, you know, think about and watch and grow. But, like, as you start to check boxes, I mean, Naz, you had the most hilarious tweet about Mason, and essentially you're just backing him on the fact that he is such a good footballer. Maybe we're spoiled as Chelsea fans. Some of us still don't see it. I'm not including that in me in that group. But I'm just saying it seems like for whatever reason – I I know a ton of Chelsea fans back him to the moon, but there's still a vocal amount that aren't sure about him, and it's wild. You are not a Chelsea supporter, but you are a massive England fan. You even cover the English national team. You know him objectively from your ability to look around the table and not have the blue-tinted glasses that we are. Just to wrap it up with Mason, I mean, he's legit. Like, what? Maybe give us a non-Chelsea comparison of where you think he is. Yeah, I think, I think the way to judge Mason is not on digits because, you know, he plays a lot of minutes and doesn't get a lot of goals or assists, so it can be a bit, like, you know, uh, false to look at him that way. But when you're sat in a stadium watching game by game, you know, you've got to realise that this guy's a, a central midfielder who doesn't play that far forward. You know, Chilwell is often further forward. You know, Mason plays left central midfield. Chilwell is more likely to get goals in a lot of games because he's in the box more often than, um, you know, Mason Mount. So um, that that point of view, you know, you can't really judge Mason on, on pure goals and, and assists. So it's really eye test for a central midfielder who doesn't get forward as much as maybe, you know, 
people want him to. And then when he plays in those like front three positions every now and again, um, he's often doing a job for the team. I remember the start of the season, he played right wing and he's just, you know, tracking back, covering ground, mucking in, letting the other players shine. And, and that sort of work in a football team is important. People think that, you know, they should have Neymar, Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo up front. That would be the perfect front three. That would be so balanced. There'd be no way of improving on that. But really, you'd find, you know, so many tactical problems. I remember uh, talking to Carlo Ancelotti's assistant about Real Madrid once and they had um, they, they had Real, they had a Ronaldo in the team and he was playing um, on the left wing and they were like, he never tracks back, you know, he obviously scores millions of goals, but completely unbalances a team. So they had to like, rework the whole system just to protect him. And there was like Di Maria was just playing a role protecting Ronaldo all game. And he's like a brilliant attacker. So think of Mason Mount in that kind of way, you know, he's not sort of, you know, he's not sort of the main man who gets the digits, gets the goals, gets the moments in the spotlight, but he is the man who knits together the team tactically brilliant, moves the ball so quickly. I mean, that's the reason why Gareth Southgate picks him as well, because if you want to break down a team, you need somebody who moves the ball between the lines quickly. And I don't think there's really a talent in English football who's better than him in central midfield doing that. I love loads of English football talents. I love Hudson Adoy, I love Phil Foden, um, love Mason Greenwood, but they're all, you know, really high up the pitch. There's one guy in central midfield who moves the ball well. You know, he his his idols were Xavi and Iniesta from Barcelona. I mean, it's not even an English trait, you know, a lot of what he does. We should absolutely see him as a diamond. Um, you know, English football should see him as diamond because he's almost a Spanish footballer. We can plonk into our midfield as a, you know, Chelsea team and as an England team. And that's why, you know, Mason Mount is so, so essential. That's exactly what England missed as well in the last World Cup to win the World Cup. They missed a Luka Modric and they ironically got knocked out. Um, by Croatia so yeah I mean this is what Mason Mount represents to me and that's why I rate him so highly but I mean the fact he's adding that tough guy part to his game it just it just makes my heart warm because I've seen him play <laughs> since he's in the academy to now and yeah just seeing him getting that streetwise element uh, you know he's played loads of games as well hundreds of games he's an experienced 22 year old it's great look well said encapsulated Mason Mount there we're gonna pause we're gonna hit the ad break when we're back though Cobham, part two. Callum Hudson, a doy. And the curious case of not starting, delivered with confidence, came out so much better. And then obviously we'll get back into the tactics and lineups. And, you know, did we learn anything from this result? I, spoiler alert, think not. So anyways, thank you to the sponsors for financially supporting the show. We'll be right back. All right, Dan, I'm delivering it with confidence. I'm feeling good because Callum Hudson, a doy, is a player, uh, who has absolutely forced his way onto the pitch. He's taken every opportunity, albeit limited, and done something productive with it. Today is no different. And by today, I mean the full match review. Where do you want to go with this? Calm Hudson Adoy, oi, oi, oi. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, I'll, I'll put in a little, you know, kind of uh, late three word match review that I just kind of dropped in here. But uh, Abby McCarthy, who does the uh, Chelsea kind of match day coverage on, on their stream, did uh, her three word match review was uh, Cho to start. And look, I mean, we, we talked about this in our last review, and I think we had a conversation, and not everybody super enjoyed it, but on performance and you know on stats there's no reason Callum Hudson and Doyle shouldn't be starting over you know a, a over Christian Pulisic and also you know over Timo Werner you know like just in terms of if you're gonna play someone on the left right now um 
which would ultimately be his kind of preferred position. You know, you should play him there. You should put Ziyech on the right and you should uh, allow, you know, especially like Lester Ed, you know, Tammy Abraham centrally, you know, would be a great kind of pairing to take advantage of, you know, what this team can do, moving the ball back and forth, the interchange that we, you know, some of the passes that Callum had yesterday to catch people in transition otherworldly it just looked like you know it's stuff that you you pull off in fifa and you're like oh that's fun that's cute you don't expect to see that in real life and he just does it for fun making you know i think our friend you know phil chelsea youth talked about the 80 yard yard run back to go like you know to close players down like I, i just don't know what else he needs to do at this point naz to start with consistency because I do think, you know, Timo has gotten a lot of trust and faith and, you know, he big money signing, but he's gotten a lot of opportunities to to score and get on the team sheet. Christian coming back off of injury has had a lot of opportunities to to find a place and, and to score. Um, and I, I just feel like, you know, Callum is the is the yo-yo player. You know, he can play really great for a game. He could do an, you know, get an assist, get a goal, have a goal contribution uh, and then. Immediately next game, if there's a player available that's, you know, maybe one of our larger money signings, he disappears. And it just doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, ooh, I think ooh, let's use Naz's tweet. Let's use his inflammatory tweet here. Hudson Adoy could be as important to Chelsea as Mount if he was selected as often. I like it. So it's Mason's fault. Interesting. All right. <laughs> Carry on, Naz. True, and that's the reason why some people don't like Mason, by the way, because he's getting chances others aren't. But yeah, Callum Hudson-Odoi deserves it so much now. I mean, it's not even, it's getting to a ridiculous level where I'm baffled and I, I, I don't even, you know, I don't even want to protect Frank from, you know, this one because like the selections with regards to Hudson-Odoi have been completely baffling. Dan summarised all the reasons. I don't even need to go into the reasons, but the fact that the players in front of him aren't playing well is a huge one. I mean, the two goals in two games before this as well, um, two strikers finishes as well, by the way, great, shows progression, shows exactly what Frank's asked him to do in press conferences. The work rate that Phil mentioned Chelsea Youth on Twitter, that's exactly what Frank mentioned. You know, and it's not just these games, it's been consistently, like every single game, Callum has started. It's been great. You know, he's called upon him off the bench. He's been great. I mean, he's almost performing against the grain because he'd be even better if he played as much as Mount. And that was my point, really. He'd he'd be playing even better than he is now. And he's already playing a hugely brilliant level, um, not just compared to some of his teammates, but in general in the league, he's been sensational. He'd be a starter in pretty much every club in world football except Chelsea. Um, And he's not being treated, you know, maybe with, the same reverence as some of his other, you know, teammates because he didn't cost 45 million or 50 million or whatever. So I feel a bit almost, you know, sorry for him when I when I see him on the bench again and again. I'm like, well, it's not, it's almost not fair. And I think Frank is like trying to give space to Timo Werner to try and rebuild his confidence. Werner, um, you know, if he plays, he's thinking if he gets a goal in one of these games, he'll be back on fire. He'll be scoring again. It'll be worth it. But in the meantime, Chelsea is suffering. Frank Lampard's going near the exit door with his job. And, and he's got a player in the back who's in great form who keeps being ignored. And it, it, it's, it's just baffling. So, um, yeah, I mean, I couldn't agree more. I can't really tell Frank what to do. I'd love to, but um, I'd love him to start. And I think that Dan has it right. I think the best front three on form 
um, would be, you know, Ziyech on the right, Callum on the left, and then probably Giroud up front, but Tammy's doing okay as well. So, um, yeah, uh, I think that that's, that should be the front three, really, in big games at the moment. And Franco, he says he picks on form, but to me, I don't see it. I mean, yeah, we we, we beat this uh, topic to death last week, so all, all I'll say on this front is... Um, it's hard to do what Callum did yesterday in a cameo appearance to make as big of an impact as he did in a, in a short number of minutes is, is a credit to him. It's a credit to the work ethic that I think he's rebuilt since the injury. Um, it wasn't always there, if we'll remember. So I think he's done a very good job of, of rebuilding that. And, you know, the, the pass that he plays across to Timo, which should be the easiest assist of Timo's life, because Pulisic is then running in behind so all he has to do is make a square pass to Pulisic and he's in on goal. Uh, is is a shame that that is wasted, um, completely wasted. But um, but yeah, look, I mean, uh, my idea of how you structure a team and how you rotate a team is clearly not Frank's idea. <laughs> so <laughs> I, you know, I'm I'm baffled by this because ideally you would you would rotate in and if you have really three really good wingers, you would be able to rotate them effectively and pair them up differently uh, because they you know they all have different attributes. But that's just my silly take. Right. We don't really know where Akim Ziyech is at from a fitness level. We all absolutely adore him. You know, I have called him a luxury player, stand by it. You know, talk about someone who doesn't maybe track back as much. But Callum Hudson-Roy has been putting in the work on both sides of the ball. Um, I, the funny thing is, it's I don't really know where to put him, but I feel like you should. Because I, maybe I'm too biased with Christian, but I think he's bright when he's in there, too. And it's just like, does that mean Akim Ziyech comes out for Callum Hudson-Odoi? I mean, that's a big call for Frank, right? To to bench really either one of them. So I just I just wonder if, and I've kind of seen this before, the manager, in this case Frank, is almost limiting Callum's chances, but giving him just enough so he's getting the taste every single time, you know, 20 minutes, 30 minutes. And then he's about to just unleash him. But he's just like building the kind of pressure of motivation and like desire to succeed in Callum. So then when he gets a run, he's just going to take it and not let anything get in the way of that. Cause I think that is the one concern that we've heard from managers is that there was a little bit of entitlement. He knew he was good. He expected to play where he's almost just building that anticipation for Callum that when he gets in there, he's not going to relinquish it. He's he's doing the running. He's doing the effort. Um, again, maybe a, a man management play on Frank's part there. Uh, totally just speculating. But, um, you know, from our our standpoint, we're all sitting here just ready for Callum to to get a start and, and but, get some minutes. But the, 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 the kind of point that you make, Brandon, about like – I mean, look, we're we're Christian fellow countrymen. He he shouldn't be a start a starter on this team at the moment. Like there there no stat bears it out that CP ten should be playing over you know Cho twenty. Like it just it it is not it is a indefensible position based upon like if we're talking about true meritocracy. Like if we said Frank actually had a meritocracy, which I think we've kind of blown that argument to smithereens this season. Callum should be starting. It just is, n- but nothing. what's the depth chart? I, I, give me the depth chart then, from your perspective right now. For for wingers, it would be yes. Ca- like so, if we, if we just look at it. You're looking at Callum. You're looking at Ziesh. Um, and and then even though it's probably 
you probably would have Werner ahead of, of Christian. Like, no, you would not. What? Shut. No way. Do, you're what? Just, you're I'm, being so inflammatory I'm, again. Stop Where's Mason? I'm, I'm Stop j- well, Mason doesn't play. You don't know, put Mason back on the wing? I'm just, Stop those it. are people who have played. I just want like a top four depth chart. I'm I'm scrapping I, this depth chart already. That's well, I'm I'm just let pulling Dan, it off. Let Dan defend the goals plus assists minus PKs per ninety minutes in the Premier League this season. So if you just take that, Tammy's a point seven eight. Callum is a point seven seven. Hakim Ziyech is a point six nine. Olivier Giroud is a point six two. Timo Werner is a point five two. So Christian Pulisic all the way down to point one two. So, so your stat was goals plus assists minus penalties. Correct. Is that the full picture, Naz? Is that your top four? I'd probably just about put Christian above um, Timo, but I don't think it's as clear cut as you guys think. I think Christian has been quite poor lately. Um, I don't think he's affecting games, and it's quite disappointing to see. Maybe a, maybe a sense of balance, maybe his injuries as well. But um, yeah, he's he's gone backwards. I ca- I honestly can't believe that he's ahead of Callum. Like you know, when when Frank's under pressure, surely you just call upon the people you can trust. And you know, I think that at this rate, I think that I think that he sees it. You know, I think he will be frustrated with what's going on. I think at this rate, Bayern Munich are coming back in, and we're going to have to deal with that and the emotional minefield of having a great player um, getting an interest from another big club. Bayern Munich will come back in in the summer. And this this is all music to their ears. This is exactly what they want to see. They want to see a player playing well that they want to sign, but they also don't want to see him playing too well or too often because they don't want him to, you know, completely reject them in the future. So, yeah, I mean, Cal's 20. And the, the big thing with Cal... And the, the only thing that I used to say that sort of like held him back was that, you know, at least there's one other world-class talent in the league, uh, young talent who's not getting a chance, and that was Phil Foden. But now Phil Foden's playing every week. And so I'm thinking that Cal's now the last guy who's being ignored really from like, you know, weekly regular appearances. And like Phil Callum's as good as Phil Foden, if not better. And Phil Foden um, was unbelievable against Chelsea. He's been great in massive games. He's great against Man United. Um, Callum can play at that level. It's not. It's not beyond you know the the realms of possibility that Callum will become a better player than Timo Werner in the future or Pulisic or these other guys. This is the level of talent he has. He's a great player. Um, and you know the two best players I saw come out of Chelsea's academy in recent years, and I watched a lot of academy games was Callum, probably number one, and Mason number two. So yeah, he deserves it. Nick, did we make a mistake? <laughs> All right. I mean, just mark this episode down as the as the day that Dan wants Timo as a winger over Christian Pulisic. Just mark it in your notes because that's um, after all the discussion that we've had this year. That is just a wild statement. I mean, that is outrageous. And I think you saw with his finishing yesterday that that's still not accurate. Um, so, wow. First of all. Uh, second of all, look, Christian has not been uh, impacting games as much as I would have hoped at this point of the year. I don't think that's debatable. I'm certainly not going to like stand up for his Fulham performance. One thing that's odd to me, and, and I, I, I did tweet this yesterday. I got a few bites on it. It does not seem like uh, Christian and Ben Chilwell sync together. And that that is so strange, and I don't know if like I have no idea why. Uh, you know, uh, that's for someone else to say, uh, someone who's around the team. But like, 
I, it just seems like they are never on the same page. They never have the same run structure. They never have a, a passing angle that's consistently open. They never do the overlap, the Mark Salonzo, Eden Hazard overlap, or with, you know where the other one's going. It just seems very, very disjointed. And, that, and look, I mean, they don't know each other that well yet. We're only eight games or 18 games into the season or whatever. But I, yeah, I think for Christian to be who we saw he can be in the summer. He needs to have a really good understanding of the players and space around him. I think oftentimes we saw last year, Mason Mount and Christian in the same areas this year, we're seeing Chilwell and, and Pulisic in, in the same areas. And it's just, it's a little odd. So look, I'm not defending, his, you know, what, what hasn't been a great run of, of performances for him. I do think that, you know, you look at, the the missed opportunity with Timo to just slot in a ball for him to quickly finish yesterday. And that's a really, that's a big bummer to me, but uh, yeah, I think that is, that's something that I'm looking at. And look, it, I have no problem with Cal starting over Christian Pulisic, by the way, I just think it is a ridiculous argument to say that there are uh, that, that the you know, person who should be playing center forward who has shown that he is not a winger should be starting over your number 10 who can show he is a winger. That's my, that's my argument. That's that's real quick. That's where I touch on Christian's struggles. I think it's, it's the system side and not meshing and, and, you know, I, I, I not to dig up old arguments, but I'm still frustrated with the midfield and their lack of ability to play a ball early in. We have an, an amazing, an amazingly athletic and dynamic front three, and we <laughs> just refuse to play them the ball early. So I think, that's where I struggle a little bit. Um, but anyways, again, Callum Hudson Doy, I'm happy for him to get some some minutes in 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 play. He's deserved it based on all of Dan's stats. So uh we'll stick with that. Uh look, I, I really want to touch on this before we get out of this episode. And and it was the have we learned anything else about how Lampard wants his team to play? Did we learn enough about the team against Fulham? And my biggest thing is did we see a response? No, we did not. It was ridiculous, and I was so frustrated um, with the way it came off. I understand Frank couldn't play N'Golo Kante. It's Fulham, 18th place. Did we need N'Golo Kante to beat them? Apparently, we did today, uh, and we didn't have him, so it struggled. So, um, Well, on that point, right, uh, Kyle Matsunodoy is not the only aggrieved player on the bench yesterday. I think Billy Gilmore should be equally aggrieved. <laughs> uh, you, <laughs> yeah. you look at the, the way that we can play with Billy Gilmore in in the deep lying, whether you call it a six or not, whatever you, you prefer to call that midfield position, he advances the ball and progresses the ball just at this point better than Jorginho in this system. And you we missed that yesterday. I mean, just flat out we missed it. Well, look, uh, <laughs> as I said earlier, Fulham played midweek against Tottenham, which had been a tough, tough match for them. Did I watch it? No, but I can kind of predict how it went, right, for Spurs. Um, a lot of possession, uh, probably pushing them a lot, and and they got a great, they got a point. Like, good mm. for Fulham to get a point. This team has won two matches all season. We were getting them on a week's break. We were getting them after they'd only played three days, and they pressed the hell out of us, Naz. I was so frustrated. Jorginho is the anti-press player, you know, that we rely on. Did not do much for us. I mean, Aspie... 
was playing back. We we're playing one twos with with um, Silva, you know, on our defensive goal line. It just there was nothing there to really help us break it. Giroud was coming all the way in uh, to our own half just to try to get on the ball. It, the fact that we were getting pressed so hard from that type of a team was really frustrating. I just feel like we didn't have the answer. So we've already debated back and forth of the Lampard versus the players and things like that. So I'll just kind of open it up to you and say, you know, based on Lampard's tactics or lack thereof, kind of what did you see yesterday and what what maybe stood out to you? Look, I think if we're going to analyze it, there's not really any positives. And anyone who says differently is probably overanalyzing the game. I think that the only positive was Mason Mount and the fact that Chelsea won three points. And then beyond that, there's not a lot else to really cling on to. You know, some people might say spirit to keep going until the last minute, but really, I, you know, I think that's the bare minimum you expect to keep trying to batter down the door, carry possession. And if anything, Fulham still carried a decent amount of threat. And if they got, if they nicked a goal, I wasn't back in Chelsea to even score one, never mind two. Um, you know, so, you know, the amount of like psychological damage a goal from Fulham with 10 men would have done to Chelsea would have been huge. Fulham were good when they were with 11 men as well. I mean, let's be honest, a stupid decision really went in Chelsea's favour from Robinson to do that tackle. Um, so, yeah, I mean, some things went in Chelsea's favour. They got the win. Mount was great. That's it. Like, what are we looking at the future? What can we hold on to from a, you know, Frank Lampard's Chelsea perspective? All we can hope is that the fact they won is enough to make players grow in confidence. Because when I was watching the game, I was just thinking, I was looking at the guys and they didn't look, apart from Mount, they didn't look confident at all. Like, the way they were playing, the way they were moving the ball. And I, I've seen players play brilliant matches, you know, obviously we all have. Um, and, and all you can hope is that a win is almost a tonic, is almost a relief. And, um, you know, the Leicester will be a real test because they're a good team. I watch a lot of Leicester, so um, they need a bit of confidence. They can't go into that game without any confidence. Jamie Vardy is too aggressive, too clever, and he will hurt Chelsea. I mean, that's the that's the point to me. Like, Chelsea do not look confident whatsoever. They don't look like they're like they know where they're going to, to run on the on the pitch. They don't look like they know where their where their comrade is going to be. Uh, they don't. They look so shot of confidence. Brandon's mention of the of the the goal line passing is it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous against Fulham that you have to be boxed in like that. Even if they are pressing, right? just get the ball out. Uh, it, playing this cute one-two stuff is, is a relic of the Maurizio Sarri days. Like there's no need for it. It, it is. It's. It, you're just asking to get hurt, really, at that point. And your point about Leicester. Naz, and I'll pass it on to Dan, is really good. I, I watched Leicester play yesterday against Southampton. They really struggled uh, for a lot of that game. I mean, it was not a very pretty win for Leicester, but they converted the chances that they did have. And you look at where Chelsea is right now, and that's not always the case. We got away with one yesterday. But Leicester at home and Leicester on the road are two different teams, I will say. Leicester at home try and play a more possession-based game. They try and, and play a little bit more like Chelsea plays at home. Southampton just hit them on the counter all day and was super effective. And so while I do not have much hope for that game or getting results out of that game, there is a game plan there. It's just whether or not Frank Lampard will be okay sitting back and playing on the counter um, and TBD. Well, it's, it's going to have to be, do we want to 
try to go toe to toe a little bit more? Do we want to be comfortable sitting back? And, you know, one of the things Chelsea has done this season that we do very well is we do tend to limit high quality shots when our defense plays in a pretty, you know, aligned manner. And, you know, you imagine Kurt Zuma will be back into the game. You imagine Reese James would potentially be back into the game as well, too. Seems as he's being managed from a fitness standpoint. You get Chilwell, you get Silva, uh, Mendy, who's maybe looked a, a little shakier the, the past couple games than he had when he started, you know, which is a, a concern point. We thankfully haven't been tested on too much because I don't think I want to. I don't know if we I don't know what that test passing score is going to look like at the moment. Um, but then, you know, you, you put Callum in there, you put Ziesh in there, um, you know, Tammy potentially up top or, you know, I think you know, Naz maybe said Werner you get the chance to do exactly what they want to do or Lester wants to do to us, which is try to see if you can hit a ball over the top and, you know, beat the other man. And I, I feel like that would be, it'll at least be a more interesting match to watch. I don't know, Brandon, how it will pan out in the end from a scoreline, uh, given how our last couple matches have gone versus Lester. They have, uh, not been a dry affair. Uh, they have been uh, very fun and very enjoyable, uh, and mostly draws. So, <laughs> right. I, just kind of rolling back a little bit because I don't even want to get into to lesser personally right now. I still have a lot to unload Dan from this one. <laughs> I just think I, I I get frustrated and the ball goes into the corner. I think Nick, you talked about the dynamic between Ben and, and Pulisic, Chili B and Pulisic. They have no idea what to do when the ball gets in the corner. We end up just kind of kicking it back out and, and recycling it. It's just not overly dynamic in those spaces but surprise that's where teams force us because it's the least dangerous place on the pitch around their box is out wide i learned this as a kid you defend and you push people wide because their sidelines it's less dangerous and we can't avoid it and i think back to city and liverpool they either get to the end line and cross it back and we saw that's where the goal came from we've you know we just it seems so I don't know, just lack of dynamism in those areas. I get really frustrated because it seems like other top teams have figured out how to get past that, and we haven't. I just go back to releasing. I just, I don't, I think I feel like we're kind of stuck in these like, uh, you know, high possession style versus just like a gangbuster style. And we, I think we just need to pick one or the other. I don't think Chelsea need to play beautiful football to be successful. I don't think this team is set up to be highly technical. Now, look, it was a weird. Midfield of Georgina Kovacic and Mount. I think Kova came to life in the second half, started running, breaking between lines, but it's far too late. And it and it's still he has no end product. So even if he's dribbling at you, you can just drop off and look for the passing lanes because he's gonna dish it eventually. There's yeah. no threat from him. So I, I you know, I just there's just a lot of things I'm frustrated with. The the biggest thing for me was the way we came out in the second half. You're up a man, you've just had a team talk absolutely come crashing out of the gates and just suffocate Fulham. And I think fair play to, to Graham LaSalle on, on the, on the American commentary. He said it was like the 90th minute. And he's talking about how Fulham, they, it feels like they have, they know they have one last push in them. They feel like they have one last chance to go at Chelsea as we created the foul. They dumped one in the box, you know, guy slipped, thankfully for us. But he said, Chelsea should absolutely be debossing this. So Fulham feel like, the minutes are just ticking by without them. They have no response, and it wasn't there. And that just shows that Chelsea aren't a top team yet. Doesn't mean we don't have the potential. Doesn't mean we can't get there. But this 
was a team we should have put to the sword, let alone 11v11, especially 11v10, and it wasn't there. So for me, I just took a lot of frustration out of that, maybe because it's Fulham and they're nearby Chelsea, and I don't know. I'm just going to deep deep exhale Naz. I'm out. Um, but, but that's where we're at. It just, it, it, at the end of the day, it wasn't good enough for the club's ambitions and, and, and that's where we're at. So, the, um, I don't the, know, Dan, could I just quickly say the, the yeah. Rudiger pick yesterday did not work at like, bro, the, the quote was scary to me because I think we've all, we've talked about like personality and we know that Rudiger is a big personality. Gesturing does not equal defending. And I, it's it's worrisome that when when your guy, you're probably your number one guy in Zuma overall in the center back, you know hierarchy, is left out in favor of your number three guy because of the talking performances I'm, and training. I'm I'm worried about that. And like, look, maybe Zuma is carrying a light knock, and and there's nothing else to this. I'm entirely, you know, I, I think we're all within our rights to. To think about that, but I was I I was pretty worried about that. His inability to keep possession yesterday is mind-boggling. And I did go to who scored, and apparently had a ninety-four percent pass rating. But that just means he had so many sideways passes because anytime he tried to pass it vertically, it did not go to a blue shirt. Uh, just super super frustrating. Uh, I guess Naz, real quick, before we go to the end of the match, is there anything that you wanted to touch on with all the different things we said there before we uh, look to wrap? Not really. I think with the Fulham game, I think that, you know, we pretty much wrapped it. But, you know, if you're looking forward, we're thinking about Frank Lampard and his future, and that's going to be the big story of the rest of the season. Um, so I think that with that, I think we need to see Frank, you know, he's going up against Brendan Rodgers next week. And I, I watch a lot of Leicester. My girlfriend supports Leicester, so pretty much support Leicester as well. Um, and I've seen how Brendan sort of sets up his team and they're always very um, tactically versatile, you know, a bit like a bit like Pep when when Chelsea played Man City. Um, you know, you don't really know what you're going to get. And, and that kind of puts teams on the back foot. Chelsea, you know exactly what you're going to get most of the time. It's either Giroud or Werner, set up for one of them. Um, and that's the only difference, really. Um, but I think that that might be something Frank needs to address, you know, being a bit more unpredictable, finding new ways. Like, you know, we're talking a lot about breaking a team down and that's how you break a team down is being unpredictable. Football is a game of deception. And I think that Frank, um, I think in the next few months, you know, to save his job, I think it's not in immediate danger, but to save his job in the long term, I think he needs to show that sort of sleight of hand, that in-game man management, uh, well, sorry, the in-game tactical management. Uh, you know, I, I think he's got a lot of good managerial bits to his sword, but that's one thing that you know I do have a you know doubts at at this stage is can he can he outthink a pep? Can he think even a Brendan, who I think is a really good manager? So um, yeah, it's going to be fascinating the Tuesday game because of that because he's against another good team that does a lot of different things tactically that could could pull Chelsea's nose out of joint if they're not if they're not careful. All right. Dan, the moment you've been waiting for. Oh no, no surprise. The day of the match was very easy, uh, but you know, so people people still got it wrong. Uh, you know, uh, the options were Mason Mount, Mason Mount, Mason Mount, and Mason Mount in all caps. Uh, only eighty one point eight percent of people got it right. Mason Mount in all caps, because uh, you know that's the right answer. Um, look, I mean, you can lead a horse to water, but you know you can't make him vote for the right Mason Mount. You needed like the megaphone or the yelling emoji. I feel like to to help. Uh, all caps is is ty- uh, typed You're speak right. for for shouting. It was so obvious. Uh 
I, I, Nick, I can't even really ask you for arguments or change of decision. I have, so I have nothing to add to that silliness now. All right. Well, here is the table as it stands before the Liverpool Manchester United match, which will have no effect whatsoever on us in the table. So, Man United in first, Leicester City second, Liverpool third, Tottenham fourth after beating Sheffield United, Man City five, Everton six, Chelsea seventh. All right. We're on 29 points, three points behind Man City and Everton ahead of us, uh, and seven points between us and the top of the table, which is Manchester United. I did tweet Naz at the beginning of the season after like, what did you guys lose the first match? Uh, yeah, yeah. So I, I think I tweeted uh, hilariously, is it too early to hope Manchester United get relegated? Well, that clearly didn't age well. So as you sit here <laughs> on January 7th at the top of the table. Um, uh, so we'll kind of see where it goes, gentlemen. But we've won eight, drawn five, lost five, 33 goals forward, which is great. It's it's towards the top of the table, twenty one goals conceded, which also is not great as well, which I think is the concern right now. Um, Naz, we'll leave it there. Thank you for joining us. Good luck in the Derby Day England later today. Liverpool versus Manchester United. I don't really know if I should wish you luck or I not. I do not. Thank you. Nil-nil draw. Nil-nil draw. The the, the pod's (laughs) official stance is we hope for a draw. Um, But nonetheless, thanks for jumping back on. We really appreciate you hanging out with us. And I'm sure our listeners do too. That's very kind. Thanks for having me on. I needed the company. It's a bit boring here in England. So, uh, yeah, with our third lockdown. So thanks a lot for the company. I needed it. And, and yeah, hopefully things improve for you guys. Awesome. All right, Nick and Dan, gentlemen, thanks for joining. As always, listeners, hit us up on Discord. Honestly, it's the best way, best community uh, to talk about these things. But if not, hit us up on social media. We, we talked about a lot. We covered a lot of different things today. So let's keep the conversation going. Obviously, get ready. Uh, Chelsea playing Leicester City on Tuesday. So not a lot of time to recover from this. But per Nick's point, maybe that's good for this team. Time uh, just messes things up. So anyways, that's going to wrap us up, Chelsea fans. Until next time, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high.